Good morning, City Walk Church. How you doing? Well, uh, you're here, and there's also a bird here today. And so, uh, if you see me like going like this, it's because our bird's moving. But uh, we're, we're thankful that anybody comes, even a, even a bird. Uh, but but it is good to be with you guys. Uh, we have had a really good week, and and as I get started, uh, in we're going to be in part five of Unfiltered Jesus. There's a couple things I wanted to tell you about, and really some real good news uh, that I wanted to share with you here in a second. The first thing I wanted to mention to you is next week, and we've talked about this from time to time. Uh, next week we're going to start our next steps class. So we have a next steps booth to connect with people after the service, but we also have a Next Steps class that takes place about 15 minutes after the service, starting in the month of March, and it lasts for about a half hour, and basically there's four parts to that, and it, it, what, it, what it will do, it will help you learn more about the church, it'll help you learn more about how to grow in your faith, it'll help you learn how God has uniquely gifted you and how you can use that uh, in, in serving Him. And so we have that class and that starts next week. I wanted to just let you know about that. But the exciting news that I wanted to share with you is you guys know that uh, we have a great desire to minister to students in our, in our city and uh, we have a great desire to have uh, a dynamic student ministry for teenagers in this city and in this region. And so we, as we began, uh, a lot of church plants tell you, hey, they tell you, hey, you don't want to start your youth ministry for, for six months to a year. Just focus on Sunday morning, focus on kids' ministry. But for us, we couldn't start City Walk without having plans to start a dynamic youth ministry. And so... Uh, we are going to be starting on March 13th. It's a Wednesday night, and so that's exciting. But, but here's the part that's real exciting. As we began this church, we had no uh, really opportunity or even, we weren't even looking to get in, into an office space or a space for our student ministry. We, we felt like the first season of City Walk Church was going to be uh, maybe doing the student ministry at somebody's house or something like that. Well, about three weeks ago, a gentleman called me, uh, actually emailed me first, and I had never met this guy. And he said, hey, we're a, a small church in our community, and uh, we have a space that we use on Sunday morning, but man, it basically sits empty most of the week. I mean, we use one or two offices, but that's about it. And he said, hey, man, we, we'd love to just show it to you, and, and I don't know if there's any way we could partner and so I went over to look at it, and uh, it wouldn't be a good space for us on Sunday morning. But as I was walking through, I thought, you know what? This would be a perfect space for offices, but also for our student ministry. So we have a home for our student ministry. And so we began kind of investigating. It's about 4,500 square feet. It's got a cafe. It's got a, a youth room that, that will seat about 100 students. And then it has some office space that we'll be able to use. And so God has opened the door through the generosity of, of some folks that said, hey, we, we had a businessman call us and say, hey, we want to just kind of help you get this thing going and just really help cover the first year of even renting this place. And so on March 13th, on March 13th, we're not going to ask you to bring your students to a creepy house that you've never been to. We have a space 
right right across the street from Bel Air and uh, where that Starbucks is just a little bit down the road right next to the DMV 4500 square feet that we plan to use to reach hundreds of students in this community and so we're so excited about that and so we we're just thanking God for that and you'll hear more about that uh, but we want to make a dent for Jesus in students lives in this community. And so we're thankful that God, five weeks into a new church, has provided us with office space and also a space for our students. And so we're, we're excited about that. Well, as we kind of transition into Unfiltered Jesus Part 5, uh, yesterday my family and I, we went to uh, Six Flags. And uh, we went to Six Flags and, and we had a, a good time. But, but what you don't know about that trip is we had to have a good time on this trip. There was a lot riding on the fact that if we didn't have a good time, we were going to be in trouble. And here's what I mean. A couple days after Christmas, I thought, you know what? We're, we're a family. We're trying to figure out kind of things to do as a family. We have a five-year-old all the way up to a 17-year-old. And so, man, there's not a lot of things you can do as a family when you have that, that broad of an age range. And so I started looking around, like, what are theme parks in this area? And, you know, what, what's some of the passes cost? And, and I found out that, that uh, Six Flags was doing this crazy deal, like 70 bucks a month. And that would cover my whole family, a season pass, lunch, dinner, and a snack. I can't even feed my family that, so so we, I had this great idea, like, all right, we're going to get these season passes. We're going to have these awesome memories at Six Flags. And so, man, I, I, I bought them, and we're good to go. And so then I had this really bright idea, let's, hey, let's go the Sunday after Christmas, and, and they still have their Christmas lights up and all that. Let's go, and we're going to have this great time as a family. Look at Christmas lights. It's going to be awesome at Six Flags. And so we drive up to Vallejo, and... We start getting close to Vallejo, and it's like, wow, there's quite a bit of traffic here for Sunday. And then we start getting to closer to Six Flags. It's like, wow, seems like a lot of people like to go to Six Flags a Sunday after Christmas. And so we, we got there and literally parked. I, I think we were like in a parking space that wasn't even, I mean, it was so far out. And then we, we get up there, and we don't know what to expect. Is this like normal for Six Flags? So we're thinking, hey, we're just going to roll with the punches. We get up to the front gate. We can't even see the front gate, barely, because there's just it's not even in lines. It's just mobs of people just waiting to get in. And, and we're sitting there, and, and we're trying to, I'm trying to be like, good attitude, good attitude, Christmas spirit. Yes, let's do this. Family time, all this time. And my kids, man, they did so good, and my wife did so good with their attitudes. I was the one inside like, I don't want to be a Christian right now because I want to get through these people. Uh, and so bottom line is, we didn't ride one ride. We didn't see one attraction. We got in, and like the highlight of our day was we're like, we paid for food. It's part of our deal. We are going to wait 45 minutes in line to get a snack. Before we leave, we are not leaving without doing that. And so we left, and it was like utter failure. And, and everybody was miserable. I mean, no one was in the Christmas spirit. You just looked at people's faces, and they were trying so hard, but it was miserable. So yesterday we went back, and, and it was like, if I don't have a good experience this time, my kids will never come back with me. And so we did. We had a good time. But, but when we were there the Sunday after Christmas, it was like everyone hated everyone, but we were all trying to keep a good attitude. You've maybe been in places like that. 
And, and, and as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know what? That's a lot of what people expect from Christians. There, there's, a lot of, there's, there's, there's a lot of people that when they look at Christians, they don't say things like this. Well, they have so much fun. Those, those Christians, man, they're so full of joy. Man, they are loving life. It, it's usually it, our kind of vibe that we give off is, hey, I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to stay on the straight and narrow, stay out of my way so I can do what Jesus tells me to do. But very few times are people like, man, those people that love Jesus and call themselves Christians, man, they have the time of their life every day. They're so full of joy. That's usually not the vibe that we give off as Christians. In fact, over the years, I've been in a lot of different rooms with a lot of different Christian leaders that loved God dearly. But in some of those rooms, as I remember as a young man, I was in, in rooms with different Christian leaders and, and for different meetings. And man, they all loved God deeply. But in the back of my mind, I'm saying, why would anyone want to join this? Like, Ugh, is, is this really what turned the world upside down 2,000 years ago? Is this version of Christianity what turned the world upside down? Do, do you have to kind of make a decision? Like if you're going to love God and live a holy life, do you basically have to throw off any, any type of fun and any joy, any fulfillment, any big dreams? Do you have to kind of pick one or the other? And in our society, a lot of people would say, man, I have a lot of fun on Saturday, and then I go to church on Sunday. And, it's, and it, we're so good at compartmentalizing, and so that's kind of the thing. Man, oh yeah, we do a lot of fun things on Saturday, but then we have to like talk our kids and like, you will go to church, you will smile, you will act, act like things are going well. And, and it's kind of the way we do things, unfortunately. But here's the thing I want us to think about as we, we look at the different filters that we have kind of placed on Jesus. What if joy, fulfillment, happiness was actually an indicator of spiritual maturity? Like, like what if it wasn't something that only a few people had or, or if people that didn't love Jesus had, what if it was actually one of the indicators to show spiritual maturity if someone had joy and was fulfilled in their life what if that was what it was all about think about how this whole thing of Jesus started think about whether you grew up in church or not you've been to a Christmas play and somebody has gotten up and read out of the book of Luke and they've talked about how the angels came to the shepherds and announced the birth of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, this was the announcement that they made at the beginning of this whole following Jesus thing. The angel said this, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Good news. That brings with it great joy for all people. The very nature of good news is it is good and it brings with it joy. One of the things that, that we do in our society now, and if you watch Facebook or uh, throughout the week, you'll see this, different people will do this, is gender reveal parties have become a really big deal in our society. So 
if you're going to have a boy or a girl and kind of how you announce that to the world, man, people are getting really creative with this stuff. When I was, when we were kind of having kids, except for Kate, because that was just five years ago, but when we had Austin 17 years ago, it was like, you go, you see the ultrasound, you look for different body parts, okay, I see that body part, you call your mom, she cries on the phone, she's so excited you're having a little boy, or you're having a little girl, that was kind of the gender reveal party, that's what it consisted of. Now... Man, people like rent out buildings and, and decorate and buy tons of blue or pink confetti. They make a cake. They, they, they go live on Facebook to, to tell the world. That, I mean, all kind of creative. It's like an industry now. All kind of creative ways to share with people whether you're having a boy or girl. And, and when, when this happens... When, when, whether you do it the old school way and you just call mom and dad up and say, hey, I'm having a boy or we're having a girl, guess what? Mom doesn't have to work at being excited because when there is good news, it automatically brings with it joy. If you put on the biggest show in town to announce that you're having a boy or girl, people don't have to fake being happy for you. When they hear good news, it automatically brings with it tremendous joy there's a passage in John chapter 10 where Jesus is speaking and he says this the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly I came so that they would have rich and satisfying life John 15, Jesus, as he's speaking, he says this, These things I have spoken to you, this good news, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Because your joy is incomplete and so I have come with good news so that you might have fulfilling, ultimate joy. See, it's maybe different than what our society tells us, what if following Jesus wasn't a drudgery, but the path to ultimate joy and fulfillment? Unfortunately, our message is weighing people down rather than providing them with good news. See, no matter kind of where, what your background is, maybe if you're, you haven't had a background in church, probably when the guy knocks on your door to tell you about Jesus... You're not expecting, like, really good news. You're expecting to be told things that probably you don't want to hear. But what if the message was more about good news like it was when it was originally told than about weighing people down? Jesus uses, and if you have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen. He uses a, an interaction with a lady that honestly, in our society, as we read it, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Jesus has a conversation with a lady called the, the Samaritan woman. And for us, it's like, okay, having a conversation with a lady, no big deal. But in this society, for Jesus to have this conversation with this lady who is a Samaritan, it was unusual and it was disruptive and it was an encounter that Jesus used to unpack this idea of what brings ultimate fulfillment and what brings ultimate joy in somebody's life. In John chapter 4, it says this, verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. No big deal. So 
back in the day, they didn't have Starbucks, so they had wells. So you didn't go to Starbucks to hang out and meet people. You went to the well. It was like a gathering place. Most of the time, you went in the morning because it was really, really hot where they're at. And so early in the morning, just like us, we go get our coffee fixed. They went and got their well fixed. And they, they went to the well, and it was a gathering place, and they would get their water for the day. Well, this lady, she was coming to the well in the middle of the hottest part of the day. And, and back in these days, men didn't just start up conversations with women. And really, really serious was this idea that a Jewish man would start a conversation with a Samaritan. Like that was like another never, never do that either. So, so a woman from Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said, hey, could you give me a drink? For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? She even knew, like, this is not supposed to happen. What are you talking about? She says, For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus, as he interacts with this lady, he comes to this lady who is, she's coming, she's, she's ashamed, and you'll understand why here in a second. She doesn't want to be there in the morning when everybody else is there. She's coming when nobody else is going to be there. She's going to get her water and get home, and all of a sudden, Jesus says, hey, would you mind giving me a drink? Could I get a drink? And she's, why are you even talking to me, sir? And Jesus says, I have something that if you knew what I had to give you, you would ask for it. Because I have something that will help you on a level that you can't even imagine. See, Jesus saw this woman who was ashamed, who was desperate, who had a life without purpose, who was literally just trying to survive, and, and, and he saw something different. And, and he says to this woman, I have something to give you that will change everything for you. And you don't even understand what I have to give you. See, many times our message in church centers around what we're giving or doing for Jesus instead of what he came to give us. We even word our questions that way. And, and here's what I mean by that. Nobody asks you, hey, are you enjoying Jesus today? Are, are, are you full of joy? Are you experiencing joy in your walk with Jesus? We, we ask questions like, did you read your Bible today? Did you look at porn this week? You know, good questions, important questions, and we should ask them. But even in how we ask questions, we're always asking questions about, hey, what did you do for Jesus or what didn't you do for Jesus? We're not asking questions about, hey, are you experiencing what Jesus did for you? And are you really living in that? See, even in our questions, because for some reason we have this dichotomy in our mind, we compartmentalize to where we think, you know what, there's holiness and then there's happiness. And so if we're going to be holy, then we're probably not going to be happy. And if we're going to be happy, then we're probably not going to be holy. And Jesus is saying, you don't get one without the other. Jesus was the ultimate picture of fulfillment and joy, but he also was a picture of holiness and truth. 
And Jesus, as he talks to this girl, he, he wants to give her something that she could never even imagine that would bring her fulfillment beyond what she could even ask for. See, the, the, the question that sometimes that we face in our own minds is, hey, if I give it to Jesus, if I go all in here, am I basically wrecking my life in all these other areas? See, John 15, we'll get back to the story of the lady, but there's a passage in John 15 where, where Jesus says this. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And then he uses, it's kind of like a Bible word. He uses the word abide. Abide in my love. So, so work for your love. So do something to get your love. No, 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 no. You have my love. Now I just need you to abide in it. You need to rest in it. Just a few verses earlier in John chapter 15, Jesus has just talked about how important it is that the vine and the branches stay together because the branches get all of its nutrients from the vine. And Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches, you need to abide, stay in what I've done for you, rest in my love. That's what he was saying. And, and then he says this, if you keep my commandments, and what are those commandments? Love one another as I have loved you. You will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, complete, whole. See, we need joy and happiness back in our walk with Jesus. And we should be the most joyful and most happy people. Not because everything's great in our life. That doesn't mean it's all roses. And man, we got people in here that are having surgeries next week and have people with cancer in their family and all kind of craziness going on. It doesn't mean it's all a bed of roses, but it means in the midst of the craziness that, that we can experience joy and happiness and fulfillment as we lean into the vine, as we abide in his love, as we really understand the good news of great joy that this whole thing started with see but yet here's here's what the problem is many times we have trouble believing Jesus wants our happiness and joy somebody told you that Jesus doesn't want you happy somebody told you maybe that in order to follow Jesus that you were gonna have to basically live a miserable life well, watch what Jesus does as he continues to talk to this lady as, as they interact around this idea of the well. And Jesus answered this lady back to John 4, and he says this. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. See, Jesus knows this woman searching for something. And he also knows she's going to the wrong well to find what she really desires. In verse 11, it says this. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. You ask me to get you water. What are you talking about? You're going to give me some water. You don't even have a bucket. 
You, you don't have anything to draw water with, and the well is deep. It's not like you can get a spoon out and give me some water, Jesus. What are you talking about? He says, she says this, where do you get that living water? I mean, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. And then Jesus said this, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. They won't ever be sad. See, this water right here, you had to come here yesterday to get water because you needed water yesterday. But guess what? You had to come back today because you needed water again because it didn't ultimately satisfy you. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, the happiness you want, the fulfillment you want, the joy you want, Jesus is saying, is in a well that you're not looking in. The, 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 what I want to give you, that fulfillment, that joy, it's not found in the wells that you're looking in, ma'am. It's found in me. And I want to give you good news that will bring you great joy that will radically change your life. See, if we're honest, we are all drawing from a well. We're all desperately searching for love, acceptance, worth, security, joy. And we go to a lot of different wells to try to get that. And if we're honest, most of the wells that we're looking in, we have to keep going back to and keep going back to. And no, that one's not working. Let's go find another one. Because what we're looking for, we're looking in a place that it could never give us. And so what we do, instead of enjoying Jesus and enjoying what he's given us and enjoying the gifts that he's given us, We've taken those gifts and we use them in ways he hasn't told us to use them. And instead of them being gifts, they become enslavements. Jesus gives us a, a career. And instead of keeping it in its place, we begin to get our identity from our career. And we go to that well and we go to that well and we go to that well to get worth, to get identity. And Jesus is saying, there's a different well. I gave you that career as, as something that's a gift to you to enjoy, to steward, to bless others with. But you're going to that well for something else and it's not going to ever give that to you. See, sex is another thing. God gave us sex and he said, I want you to enjoy this. It's yours. I want you to enjoy it in marriage. But what we've done is we've taken that gift and we've, we've kind of messed it all up. And now it's, it, it enslaves people. It breaks people. It hurts people. And, and, and we go to that well and we go to that well. And Jesus is saying, that, but that's never going to happen. You go, to, go back, you know, you can go to that girl, that girl, that guy, that guy, that guy. It, it doesn't matter. You're not going to find what you're looking for. You've taken a gift that I've given you to enjoy and you've allowed it to become the well you go to for everything. Friendship. He gives us gifts of friends. And before we know it, we're gossiping about those friends and we're, we're, we're trying to basically please those friends and it brings with it anxiety. And Jesus is like, I've given you this gift of friendship and you've turned it into something else. 
parenting. He gives us kids to enjoy and to raise. And, and we begin as parents to get our worth from our kids' accomplishments. And, and Jesus is saying, that, that's not what that's supposed to be. But you've taken a gift that I've given you to enjoy and be grateful for. And you have turned it into something that it's never supposed to have been. And you're looking for something in it that you'll never find. Marriage. I mean, I mean, think about it. In, in marriage, what we do, and, and we, including me and Lori, what we do is God gives us a spouse to, to, as a gift. And what we start to do is we sp- start to put expectations on that spouse to basically be God for us. And to provide us what only God can really provide us. And so we have all these unmet expectations. And instead of loving sacrificially, we have expectations of them. And Jesus is saying, if you're expecting her or him to give you that, they were never created to do that. That's what I'm here for. Come to this well. You keep going to that well, you're going to keep coming up short. And it's going to be miserable. See, Jesus wants us to have joy. He created you with the ability to feel deeply, to enjoy life, to dream big. He he created you with the ability to feel pleasure and enjoy pleasure. And he said, here's these gifts that I've given you. Don't make these gifts God. Because when you do, you will no longer find the fulfillment that you're looking for. And this is what he was talking about with this woman, and she wasn't getting it right away. See, Jesus wanted her to understand, ma'am, there's something so much better, but you've got to look somewhere else. So the woman said in verse 15, all right, give me, give me this water. I'm in. Where, where do I get this water? And then here's what Jesus does. And for some of you, this is the part of the story that you need to really track with. Because Jesus does, just doesn't say, okay, here, here's what you do to get it. Jesus goes to the darkest, most ashamed part of her life to show this woman, I'm offering you this, knowing all this. So look what Jesus says. Jesus said to her, hey, go call your husband and come here. See, it's noon, it's hot, she's here for a reason where nobody else is, she's ashamed. And here's what the woman, she says, the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not even your husband. So do Darling, I know why you're here at noon. I know why you're ashamed. I know why you don't want anyone else to to talk to you. I know why you came out here when it's 130 degrees to get water, when everybody else came out when it was a little cooler, because you're getting around town, and, and you've had a lot of husbands, and you're relationally dysfunctional. You're a mess, and I know that, and I'm offering you this, not based on what you've done, but based on what I've done. I'm offering you something, knowing your mess, knowing your dysfunction, I'm offering you a gift. And it has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with me. See, this is hard for us to comprehend. 
Because if we're honest, we aren't happy with ourselves. There's like, eh, okay, if Jesus is, uh, I, but, but if we're honest, we hear a lot about Jesus' forgiveness. We hear a lot about redemption. We hear a lot about how, how Jesus is not angry with you and, and all these things. But, but there's something inside of us that's not quite sure we believe that about ourselves. And, and here's what, what we need to think about. Jesus sought out this woman. She didn't seek him out. Jesus came looking for this woman. He on purpose went to her town knowing he was going to have a meeting with her because he had something to offer her, not based on who she was or what she had or hadn't done, but based on his tremendous love for her. And he had good news that would bring great joy and fulfillment to her. And he chased her down because he loved her. See, Jesus wants you to know, for some of you, you're, you're okay with what Jesus feels about you, but you're not quite sure you want to let Jesus love you because you don't love you. And you're upset at yourselves. And you, if I can't even love myself and if I've wrecked my family, how could Jesus love me and want me? See, not only does Jesus want you, but he chose you, he came for you, he laid it all on the line and gave his whole life to pay for your dysfunction and my dysfunction. And he did that because he has something better to offer. And he wants his kids to be fulfilled, to live with joy, to have life and have it more abundantly. See, right now in your heart, you might be saying, I'm a mess. I can't pull things together. I've tried. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, would you just lean into me? Would you stay connected to me, the vine? Would you abide? Would you rest in not what you did last night, but what I did for you 2,000 years ago? How I chose you, how I died for you, because I want to give you life and I want to give it to you more abundantly, so much so that when other people look at you, they think a lot of me, not a lot of you. And they think a lot of me, so much so that they want the living water as well. Nehemiah, a passage of scripture that maybe you've heard, you maybe didn't know it was in Nehemiah, but Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says this, it says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength or your power. See, whatever is stealing your joy is also stealing your power. Whatever is stealing your joy, whether it's your past whether it's your performance, whether it's your sin, is stealing your power. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, and I wrote this here in my notes. You're stuck because you are working so hard to overcome it, to change it, to get through it, to do more, to find happiness, to find fulfillment. And the whole time, Jesus is saying, you know what? I'm the good news. I'm the well. You're working really hard, and I've already done it for you. Rest in what I've already done for you. See, 
There, there's nothing, and, and this is maybe where, where some of us get hung up. There's nothing that can stop you from enjoying Jesus. And when you enjoy Jesus, there's nothing more powerful to break the chains of sin in your life than when you are enjoying Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. Something that you can relate with, especially about this time because you're starting to get hungry. So, so a few years ago, my wife and I, we were in uh, a wedding party. Uh, we were, she was, uh, I think, sang in the wedding, and I was, uh, I was something in the wedding. And so bottom line is we got invited to the rehearsal dinner. Always good because the food's always good. And so this one was actually in Tampa, and it was at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. So if you've ever, I mean, this is like rehearsal dinner to the next level. Like at our rehearsal dinner, we went to a Mexican restaurant here in Yuba City that doesn't even exist anymore. Uh, but this one, we went to Ruth Chris, and I didn't have to pay, and so it was a good night. Uh, and, and, and if you've ever been to Ruth Chris, or whether it's, you've been there, just imagine maybe the nicest steakhouse you've ever been to. I mean, they, they bring you all kind of food, but then they bring you what they're all about, and it's steak. And they bring it to you in a plate, like by itself, it's been in butter, it's like... I'm giving you sound effects. I mean, it is just a beautiful thing. I mean, you're cutting through thing, that thing like, it's just awesome. And so, man, you, you leave that place and you have enjoyed a really, really good meal. You're full. It's good. Guess what I wasn't tempted to do on my way home from Ruth Chris that night? I wasn't tempted to stop at McDonald's and get a Big Mac. I mean, you're like, I really like Big Macs. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't tempted to stop it at, uh, for you guys out here, it would have been Carl's Jr. for us back, back in Florida at Hardee's. Well, I wasn't tempted to stop and get any fries from Carl's Jr. at Hardee's. You know why? Because I had had something so good, I didn't even have a desire for the other thing. And here's what Jesus is saying. When you enjoy me, when you really abide in who I am and what I've done, it begins to break the chains of sin in your life and you don't even desire some of the things you desired when you were younger because you have tasted something way better. And that's what Jesus was saying to this woman. Saying, I, I, have, I have a well that will give you something that will just radically change your life. It is so good, it will bring such joy and fulfillment, you won't even want the other. You won't even think about it. And, and so here's the question as we begin to wrap this thing up. Are you enjoying life? Not, not did you enjoy life last night after five drinks. No, I'm saying, do you enjoy life? Do you walk through life without guilt, without regret? Are you enjoying life with that deep joy that even when things on the outside aren't going well, you still have it? Have you experienced that? Maybe if you're honest, you don't even expect to experience that in your life. Is there something inside of you that, that feels like, you know what, uh, I, in order for me to follow Jesus and be a Christ follower and, and kind of be all in there, there's no way I could experience joy and fulfillment. Let me ask you this question, because this is the one that will tell you which well you're going to. What makes life okay for you? And I want you to fill this blank in, in your mind. If blank is good, 
I get a moment of peace. If my husband's happy, we have peace. I'm good. If my kids are behaving and performing the way that makes me happy, that I get peace. If my boss is happy, I get peace. If I get, you fill in the blank, I get a moment of peace. Whatever you fill the blank in, that probably is one of the wells you go to. You go to that and it's the thing that you try to manage it and make it okay in your life because when you go there and when it's, it's even okay for a moment, it brings you peace. And Jesus is saying, I've got something better. I've got something that you can go to and even when everything else is not peaceful, there's a way for you to have fulfillment and joy in the midst of it but you're going to the wrong thing right now. See, what if you, like the woman did, left your bucket at that well and leaned into Jesus and it changed everything? See, if if Jesus becomes your well, if he's the one you're abiding in, you're trusting, knowing that he loves you, that he died for you, that he is not angry at you, that he accepts you. Yeah, he doesn't like it when you mess your life up with sin because you're his kid. He doesn't want that for you. He wants better. But, but what if Jesus became your well? Here, here's what I know. You'd be a better parent. You'd be a better grandparent. You'd be a better spouse. You'd be a better coworker. You'd be a better neighbor if Jesus was the well you were going to and if Jesus was the well I was going to. And, and here's why. When you can walk into a room or a relationship and not need anything from anyone to be okay, you can love and serve people at a whole nother level. When you, have, when, you, when you walk into a room and, and your, your cup's kind of half full, and, and you, you know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless these people, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour a little on them. I'm going to love them and serve them. But you know what? It, as, as I'm doing that, I really need them to reciprocate it because my glass is half empty. And Jesus is saying, you know what, I can be the source of your full glass all the time, so when you walk into a room or a relationship, you don't need anything from anybody to be okay. You can love and serve them because of me. And and, it doesn't mean you don't want to be loved. And say, hey, we all like that, nothing wrong with that, but you don't need it to be okay. And and for some of us, if if we're honest... We need it to be okay. And we work really hard to get it. And so how do we apply this? Real quickly. Real simply, we put ourselves under the right faucet. Instead of digging in the well and looking for fulfillment in places that are just going to continue to leave our glass half empty... We get under the faucet that is overflowing, and it's Jesus Christ. We spend time with Jesus. We listen to Jesus. We make His opinion be the opinion that matters. 
we believe what he says about us even when we don't feel like believing it. And then we look at the gifts that he's given us, not not as something that we have to have or that we deserve, but we look at the gifts he's given us from a heart of gratefulness. And so we, we put ourselves under the faucet of Jesus when we're spending time with him and when we're grateful for the things that he's given us and we walk through life with that spirit. As we close, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. This was a story that, that Jesus played out about 2,000 years ago. But this story of Jesus and this woman is as applicable today as it was when it happened. Because if we're honest, we came in to hear this morning and we came in to hear with a, maybe a glass that's at best half full. And, and we have had to work really, really hard to even get our glass that full. And we've looked in, in the well of our children. We've looked in the well of relationships. We've looked in the well of, of habits that we thought might give us some, some fulfillment. And, and we know down deep in our hearts that, you know what? Everywhere we look seems to come up short. And Jesus, just like he offered this woman 2,000 years ago, he's saying, I have something better I'm offering you living water through me water that will change your life your attitude your journey while you're here on earth but will it will also change where you spend eternity maybe you're here this morning and and you'd say Chris at this point in my life and kind of in my journey of faith, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And, and Chris, yeah, I could, I could tell you of different times that, man, I have looked in a lot of different places and have come up short. Well, this morning, you can change that. Because Jesus did something for you so that that could be different in your life. Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He desperately wanted to. He came to earth. He lived a perfect, sinless life for 33 years. And then at the age of 33, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin. He died not for his own disobedience and his own uh, sin, but he died for my sin and for your sin. They put his body in a grave, and then three days later, Jesus got up out of the grave and is alive today. And he offers you something. He offers you a relationship with him that will bring with it fulfillment both here on earth and in eternity. You say, Chris, I didn't come here to make any decisions. That's okay. But if you are here and you feel like, man, this morning I feel like I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Just in the quietness of your heart, would you be willing to admit to God that you're not perfect? The Bible calls that sin. Would you be willing to admit to God, yeah, I have disobeyed God. I've done some things wrong. I have sinned. Would you be willing to admit that in your heart? Would you be willing to believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for you? And then would you be willing to come to Jesus this morning and say, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I want to start a relationship with you. I want you to save me. 
If you're here this morning, you'd say, Chris, that's what I want to do, then I'm, I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. I'm going to pray this prayer out loud, but you can just talk to God in your heart. And if today you want today to be the day you start a relationship with Jesus, just in the quietness of your heart, would you say something like this to God? Would you say, God, I admit to you that I have disobeyed you. I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I have looked in a lot of wells for fulfillment. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. He did that for me. And Jesus, today, I'm coming to you. I want to start a relationship with you. Please save me now. Just in the quietness of this room with nobody looking around. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, this morning I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me. Would you just slip up your hand? Just in the quietness of this room. You, you just, by raising your hand, you say, Chris, I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me. Anybody else? You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here, and as we close, you're, you, you are a follower of Jesus, but you'd say, Chris, man, there are times when I find myself looking in the wrong well. And I know it's not going to bring fulfillment, but man, I just need to refocus on not necessarily doing for Jesus, but really resting in what He's already done for me. And I would guess that's a lot of us in here, including several of us up on the platform. And so I'm going to pray for all of us that we would seek first His kingdom and seek first His relationship and what He's done. Lord, I, I thank You for those that prayed to receive You today. Lord, I pray that You would, as they have new life in You, Lord, I pray that You would take that and that You would bless them. I pray that they would get connected, whether it's to this church or another church, so that they can grow in their relationship with You. And Lord, I pray for the many of us, Lord, that if we're honest, we, man, we go from well to well to well, seeking fulfillment, seeking joy. Lord, I pray that we would rest in what you've done, in what you know about us, what you did for us. And Lord, from a, a heart of gratefulness, from a heart of praise and joy, that we would be lights in our community. In Jesus' name, amen.